we go. Okay, we're rolling. I'm gonna get to a point that is today we have who is going first. <laughs> Iconic. Terry said you wanted to go second. You're lying. No one, no one, and then I was like, okay, what do we have to say? Carolina, I'll go. you're going first. Because no one raised their hand. Thank you. I'm going first. Great. Okay. Oh, Lily just said she can't make it. Okay. Start my dominance. Lily, Lily said she's second. not coming. Yeah, I, I heard Sorry, you. Sorry, Taryn's you, going second. I have to I'm pass third. it to Taryn. Okay. Great. <laughs> Pass it to um, somebody. It'll work. Okay. Racist. Hello Why there, and welcome to the eighth episode racist. of the Ember Island Critics Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking. I hope you'll enjoy the time you join us for today. We have Carolina. My pronouns are she, her, and I will actually pass it to Roxy. Bless you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Roxy. I go by she, her, hers, and I will pass it on. <laughs> I'll pass it to Zach. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zach. I don't know if my Wi-Fi is going to cut out. Uh, he, him, and I'll pass it to Taryn. Thank you, Zach. Um, the not betrayer. Carolina, I'm looking at you. Hi, my name is Taryn Garone. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I will pass it to Yanni. And his I, Yanni, they, them, or she, her. In today's episode, we are covering the passion, determination, and hope that is Katara of the Southern Water Tribe. Um, a quick disclaimer before we start, opinions ahead, as well as headcanons and theories, and of course, spoilers, among an array of other things that you may not agree with, but are fortunately not facts you must accept. If anything said grows to be too much, I give you full permission to close this podcast and act as though it never existed. But whether you agree or disagree, any frustration you experience should not be taken out on me or my collaborators. We are human just the same as you are. We gather to discuss something we love dearly, but not without the lens new lenses of criticism we've developed since we were younger. With that, I welcome you to listen in on the Ember Island Critics. Yeehaw. So, Katara, the icon. We're gonna start nice and easy, same way we do every other episode, first impressions, because she is like among my top three for first impressions. And I love the way that they prioritize her like passion and drive to make change above the way that she cares for other people. Because that's not the biggest part of her character. That's something that frustrates me, frustrates me so much about other people's interpretation of Katara is that they really see her as a caretaker, but then try to say that she's not a caretaker when it comes to Aang. It's very strange. Um, but it's... The fact that she got angry at Sokka, so angry that she like tore an iceberg apart, you know, a very large one above the water. We know that icebergs go way bigger underneath the water and she ripped the bitch apart. Like, that's the kind of power she had from jump. She just had to learn how to control it. Like, it's so spectacular. I love her introduction. And the fact that it's contrasted with like before we saw the little bubble she made around the fish when she was trying to be really careful and controlled. And then she just like, explodes it's stunning go ahead taryn hi so thank you for having me on my first episode hey. um, avatar is a very special show to me um me and my whole family i have two brothers and my dad watched the entire seasons as they came out live i just remember like the finale we were all like popcorn on the couch so this is so exciting to be a part of um katara was immediately my favorite character just because you know, I was watching my brothers and they were like, haha, Sokka, boys will be boys. And I'm the same way as Katara was like when, she, when they got like, Sokka got on her nerves for like pulling some like misogynistic stuff. And she just went off. Like that was me as a kid. I was like, don't you dare tell me what to do. Like, 
to my brother like until he got bigger than me I was like I'll beat you up like don't don't mess with me and I really loved that they had a girl who wasn't afraid to like be strong and be assertive because a lot of times in society they're like women need to be quiet and just agree and she was like no like Sokka don't give me that attitude she's like hmm and so I love that. Like, that was my favorite first impression. And plus, I just thought she was pretty the whole time. So that's my first impression. Well, for me, first impression, I would say that I immediately was like, wow, okay, so we have our stable character. Like, yay. We have someone who actually is with the shit and is going to probably stay there, hopefully. But, you know, adventurous. I don't know. I really, because I watched it in my older years, like last like year. Like, you watched it for the first time 2020, right? Yeah, so I was like, you know, different lens on everything, but I immediately was like, okay, so she is just ready to take it, like, life into her own hands. Like, she is waiting for this opportunity for an adventure, an outburst, something more meaningful than what she has going on with whatever's going on in her world or to her knowledge at this point. So I was just like, okay, girl, let's see what you do, because I just know you're going to be my stable solid character so let's see what you're gonna do zach a boy carolina i'm worried about i don't even know if i should speak yes I'm you still should worried it's gonna just keep cutting out okay my camera is off so that hopefully it won't cut out as much um i love katara she's one of my top two favorite characters in the show and i remember as far as first impressions go i remember being super excited seeing her being able to water bend and that her brother couldn't. And I was like, ah, yes, I want to be the person that can use the powers. Um, and I also, <laughs> I love the trope of like power being linked to a person's emotions and how she can like is focusing at first, trying to catch the fish. And then all of a sudden without even knowing, a, without even like doing it on purpose with all of this emotion, she's like tearing apart an iceberg. And I, that's one of my favorite tropes. And I, it was just super exciting to see and made her really excited, exciting character. I also love the idea of like her having these powers that she doesn't really know what to do with and having no guidance about how to use it. And then going on this whole adventure to become the best possible waterbender that she can be. Yes. Did I, was that choppy at all or was that good? No, that was smooth. You're great. Perfect. Carolina, you got anything? Are we good to jump into our next little show? Carolina, are you there? Am, there I, am I back? Hello? Yes. Oh. yes. Hi. <laughs> I thought you were like asleep. I was like, wake up. <laughs> I said, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> Basically, everything everybody else said, I just love Katara so much. And. I don't remember exactly my first impression right away, but I think I definitely like her, her like fighting back against uh, Sokka's uh, misogyny and then also just like getting so mad at him. I just loved that. I was like, yes, talk your shit, girl. He's like, your laundry sucks. I hate doing it. And then because of that, like making the iceberg come up. Yeah, she was definitely like the first really cool, powerful character that you see. Exactly. And like... Also... Sorry, the fact that she had to do both of their laundry was like, uh, why can't he do his own fucking laundry? To me, I related to that because I'm I'm kind of the one of, of me and my brother. I'm the one that will just like do things without being asked. I'll just take responsibility. Whereas he is like, well, why doesn't why doesn't Zachary do it? 
So I very much related to her in, in that in that sense. But we I'm snapping for that. Yeah, honestly. And it was the, the fact that Katara is the catalyst for all of the action of the show because it was her she tore apart the iceberg that unearthed un unseawatered lifted <laughs> egg rebirthed him. <laughs> Literally, it's a, he's like hatched out of an egg, and no one's ready. <laughs> Bald, <laughs> We're not going to talk egg. about the imagery of the fact that Katara rebirthed Aang into the world. Because people me aren't ready that for man. that conversation. Don't get me started on that man. He's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> what? what was that? I, didn't, I, we, I don't. Anyways, <laughs> Katara's best moments, because. There are so many because she's like there in the whole many. series. Nothing but spectacular moments to go by. I'm going to sit here and try and pick one. <laughs> okay, I got to say it. The first and most B.A.B. like baddest bitch moment of Katara is when she goes to the Northern Water Tribe and she walks up to this master waterbender and she's like, fight me. What are you too much of a, like, I don't know if I can say this. What are you too much of a pussy to fight me? Like, I'm a girl. I'm going to beat your ass. Like, she gives no, like, she's not care. Like, she's not like, come man. at me. I'll beat you up. And, and she does. Like, she pulls it out and she does not let any man tell her what she can and can't do. And that was just the best way to like to sum up Katara for season one. And and then the fact that like in this next episode of the Northern Water Tribe, he like she beats every one of the male pupils. Like it's not even like an issue. And they're all like, it's the way none of them you, can contest anyone else want to rematch Katara? And they're like, no, dear <laughs> God. And she, and she really said like, doesn't matter what gender you are. Like if you're talented, you're talented. And I, I'll tell anyone like who thinks I'm not that I am. I also love that because she doesn't even necessarily win the fight. Like she's not some super overpowered Mary Sue type character. She's very three dimensional and she can still lose, but she still has the badassery to be like, no, I'm still going to fight you. She made her point. She yeah. picked herself up and kept trying. Yes. She really, she really said, you're not about to have me sitting over here trying to learn to heal with water. I mean, that's cute, but <laughs> I'm a bad bitch. She's Teach a me. fighter. Like Katara the entire time is driven to learn waterbending, a martial art form. Like that was, that's been what she's wanted to do her whole life. She says that. And so when she finally gets the opportunity and someone tries to tell her no, she's going to kick someone's ass. <laughs> but also on that is like, not only does she want to learn to fight, eventually she did learn to heal because she could pick it like she wanted to learn to fight and I value the fact that she not only wanted to learn to fight but also was interested in learning how to heal because she didn't want to be boxed in like the, the fact that water has so many uses she's like I'm not gonna just stop there and, yeah, and because she had the option to and that's what made it strong that's one of the things that like kind of irks me about the way the way they use Katara's healing because that's where her powers get used more so as a plot device than like something significant to her character because um, there was a, yeah. there was no reason for healing not to be explored in terms of how Katara values it. Um, so yeah, because like she doesn't want to heal, and like when she goes to the healing hut, it's all a bunch of girls that are much younger than she is. So it's like there's a very specific way that they're framing the way we're supposed to understand healing, but it doesn't tell me more about how Katara does. Um, yeah, it's mostly like she heals because she can, and there's never any instance of her like trying like trying to learn other ways of healing or how far she can push it. It's just, ah, oh, somebody's hurt, time to heal them now. It's never something she seeks out like she does with waterbending, like she does with the waterbending scroll. Like that's that's what she actively seeks out to learn for herself. 
really quick you know what I never understood is that like the men only learn to fight like sorry like what if your arm gets like chopped up in the middle of battle like and you just let it bleed out like none of them know how to heal like (laughs) why would they if I could waterbed and like beat a bitch up but also like save my own vital organs like why would you just not want to know the basics of that at least because sexism isn't based on logic Taryn it's based on (laughs) control (laughs) that's the thing um like northern water tribe society is just based on this binary because one there's that distinction to be made in like fighting and healing but like for some reason it felt beneficial to like segregate the genders to that um which is really intriguing and to the Paco and Katara fight it's such an important fight but I despise honestly the fact that Paco teaches her because she's Kano's granddaughter you know the woman that ran away from him um <laughs> rather than teaching her because she is the most prodigious student he's ever crossed yeah I just rewatched that episode like he's like puts her up in the ice cage or whatever like and then he starts walking away and sees the necklace and he's like that's my necklace she's like uh-uh it's my necklace and then they reveal that he was engaged to her grandma. And then she was like, well, maybe that's why she left, huh? <laughs> yeah. She wanted to have Which, choices. Which, like, someone had to say it. Um, but it was... She said what she said. I didn't understand why that Paku was cool with teaching Katara. Because there was no prompting for Katara to come to the next class. She just kind of shows up. Which makes me wonder, like, has she been showing up every day? Could that, bit of, could that have been a comedic sequence of, like, Paku rejecting Katara every morning? <laughs> like... Why did she show up and why was she suddenly accepted? Because I don't really connect the dots of, ah, my fiance that literally ran away from me. Like, does does Paku introspect on that at all? <laughs> he was just such a cool kid. I do feel like part of that was just like <laughs> the fact that they only had 22 minutes and they're just like, okay, she's training. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of prefer, I don't know. Do I prefer it? I, I like that they didn't have to like explicitly say it. Like she proved her point. And she is the daughter of the granddaughter of the person he loves. It could be all these things combined. And I don't think he necessarily has to say specifically why. Yeah. To me, I I had canon that it's like she proved her point. Like she's a badass fighter and she's not going to accept no as an answer. She just had to smack him around a little bit to make her point. He was like, after he puts her in the ice and everything and was going to walk away, he did. I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was kind of a finality on his side where he was like, I'm not training you, essentially. Like, you didn't win. Um, And then it's only after seeing the necklace that he changes his mind. And I think, if anything, it's probably tied to what she says. She's like, see, she wanted a choice. She, She didn't like living in this society. And so that makes him introspect about, like, maybe the ways of this society aren't that good because that's what drove my love away. And so that's what makes him reflect. Because he probably didn't have an answer before. It was just an always why. And now he got an answer that's making him reconsider the rest of his life. Another thing that really confuses me about Paku is that he's a member of the White Lotus. So I feel like that global exposure and him being as like staunchly sexist doesn't really align in my mind. Because he like it's about philosophy and beauty and art and culture. So I feel like Paku shouldn't logically be the most sexist man in the northern water tribe i don't know though i think it's the whole world of avatar really has a thing against women as fighters i mean we have toph who's such a great character which you know in a previous episode you guys talked about but like other than toph and katara like the only main fighters are strangely enough like fire nation like women who have this ability and freedom to fight 
in like the, in the isolated Earth? instance of Kyoshi. And I and haven't Kiyoshi. read the Kyoshi novels, but I feel like they explore more Earth Kingdom gender stuff there. I don't know. Because Katara isn't treated, like, demeaned for being a little girl by anyone other than Paku and the warden in Imprisoned. Like, so I, I, I am always hungering for more of that, like, like, there are a lot of Easter eggs of what Fire Nation gender stuff looks like because we get to see the Fire Nation, but because the Earth Kingdom gets has like such a breadth to it that there's very little unity anywhere but bossing say you can't really pick it apart yeah. as effectively so i wonder is this as pervasive and like in times where resources are limited because of this war is it as constructive like would it make sense for people to hold on to sexism the way they do anywhere but like the northern water yeah. tribe where they've been pretty stable and thriving the entire time i have a best moment yes. this is a my personal favorite, but I love the the episode where she goes to that Fire Nation town and they're all like desperate and they have no painted food. Lady. And she becomes the painted lady. And she like does it in secret because like Sokka is being very um, picky about like sticking to the schedule. So she decides to do it in secret. A Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just love you that. did it. <laughs> I just love her initiative there and that she's like, this is what's important to me and I'm not going to get everyone else involved in my business if they don't care about it. I'm just going to- I will do never turn my back on people who need me. Yeah. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Along along those lines, um, I don't know. It, one of the best moments is one of the early moments for me. It's like episode, is it, is it episode math? Four, f- five? Five? Is that the one with yeah, no six uh, Haru? Uh, which one is Haru? Episode six Haru. Yeah, <laughs> I was like one by one in my head, but yeah, where she's like trying to inspire. I know that speech the is so spectacular. That speech, she's like, "Come on, you guys, you got to do this." I like, I love that. I love that she risked her life to get into this imprison this prison. She camp. got herself arrested for her. She got herself arrested. Yeah. And she barely knew him, and like it's because she felt res- she felt responsible she for what happened something. to him, and she wanted to help. Oh my god! And the fact that the movie gave that speech to Aang, I was so pissed. I, <laughs> I was like, "What?" That. <laughs> and it wasn't even a good version of the speech. <laughs> it was. It's like there's earth right under your feet, dumbasses. Said in chat, not Katara simping for Haru, but like Haru <laughs> simping for Katara. Girl. Like Haru, Haru Tara underrated ship honestly um also kind of crazy how they like go through all of this effort to show examples of what it looks like when katara is attracted to people between haru and jet but had none of that energy with the relationship they were supposedly working towards during the entire series but we'll get there um Um, yeah i was about to say they're like when jet is introduced (laughs) i was like i was like oh he's hot like like like, Especially like, like when you're like an Jet? eight, like six to eight year old kid, you see Jet and you're like, <laughs> and he pulls her up and it's all like the flout, like a and leaves he's, like, and tall shit. And has leadership she's, like, holding skills. on to him. And the forest is and so beautiful. Like it was, it was his a mouth. pure shoujo moment. It was disgusting and I loved it. <laughs> I understood why Katara was like, over it. I can't get Shut over up, Carolina. <laughs> Katara. No, Carolina, say and that out loud. Hold on, Roxy. <laughs> He's so tall and handsome as hell. He's you so bad, but he does it so well. Stop, uh, that's about Jet. That's Zuko. That is for Zuko. That is for Zuko. No, that's Jet. Like, Zuko's a whole what different problem. That? Roxy. 
Zuko, I still can't get over that line in like episode what? Episode nine or something like Water that. Waterbending scroll. Oh my gosh. Don't worry. I'll save you from the pirates. <laughs> no one talks about it enough. I said, hold on. Pause. Say that again in her ear like that, Zuko. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. I, did. I might need a minute. I need some water. Hold on, Roxy. Don't get me like this. Nah, because the line that gets me the truly underrated line is Siege of the North Part 2 or 1. I don't know. It's Siege of the North. And Zuko shows up out of nowhere and says, well, aren't you a big girl now? And I lost my fucking mind. I left the building. I was never to return. <laughs> you didn't finish the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything else that happened. UA was just gone. <laughs> you rise with the moon, but I rise with the sun. <laughs> I'm dropping poetry in these iconic lines, and you Dante expect me to not... <laughs> He's such a little emo boy. Like, how, why are we dropping poetry in the middle of a fight, baby? He has so many iconic lines in that episode alone. He's like, <laughs> my, my dad said I was born. No, my, my father, my father, father said she was born, she was born lucky. lucky. I was lucky to be born. born. Like, it's, yeah. God. Okay, this is not the Zuko episode. episode. Yeah. Not the Zuko episode. He's just doing a great job. Um, But I really love their fight in the Siege of the North. That's not my personal best. It might be my best moment. Because that's where we see that they are perfectly evenly matched with only the difference of the time of day. Yes. That's absolutely stunning. Like, that's such a spectacular parallel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was another one of my best moments is honestly, like, this is just something that I personally value. And it's not so narratively relevant. But her patience in the desert, commendable. She deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Like... The fact that Toph cannot function in sand, Sokka got high, and Aang is grieving. Like, it was just her. She had to literally handhold them out of the desert, and she was nothing but kind the entire time. Like, she didn't, like, I would have yelled. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, I would have hurt someone's feelings. Especially <laughs> when Aang Sokka. yelled at her and was like, what are you doing? And she's yeah. like, I'm oh just trying God. to keep everyone together. And he I was like, audacity to ask her what she was die. doing. <laughs> Blood is boiling already. Just at the sound of Aang even getting a little upset right now. I can go at him. Because I understand that he was grieving. And this is like, between this and the Serpent's Pass, it's a lot of anger and then depression in the Serpent's Pass. He has no right to speak to her or to talk like that. Saved your ass, Aang. We're not yeah. there yet. not anger. Anger. Because... Toph, I mentioned this in the Toph episode. She should have yelled back at him. She should have been pissed for that because this is the most, like Toph is feeling her disability in actuality for possibly the first time in her life. And that has to be incredibly stressful. So I, I feel like Toph would be in a much darker emotional place in the desert, like in a more human sense. But I understand that that may just not have been included for time reasons, well, what also, have you. Also, poor Toph, like the sand would be boiling ass hot. Like it's the de it's like this desert and there's the sun and she can't see. And her only source of vision is like burning ass hot. Like she says sand pudding. Like imagine. Yeah. Yeah, we, we went pudding over Toph before. Be like, Ow. But Katara. She has calluses on her feet. Yeah, Toph probably can't feel anything in her feet at this point, which is why, like, when Zuko burns her, I'm like, how? <laughs> um, but Katara is just so patient through that episode. She is, like, you know, steps back and recognizes, like, we have to keep moving or we will die. Aang 
Aang's behavior, while understandable, never goes readdressed. I really think that they should have gone back and after Appa was back, he should have been like, I'm so sorry to Toph and to Katara for how I acted. He never apologized. He never, never. apologized. And that <laughs> makes me so angry because like when Katara goes to see Haru and like accidentally, you know, touches a nerve with saying like, why don't you earthbend? Earthbending is like one of the best things you could possibly be able to do. It's a gift without knowing that like earthbenders are being taken away and that happened to his father. Katara makes a point to go and talk to Haru again and apologize for touching that nerve. Like there's a lot of emphasis on making sure Katara apologizes to people and makes up for things because she is the most emotionally intelligent character in the show. But yes, it's because she is a woman. Like, they don't make the other male characters do this unless they're Zuko, who has a lot to make up for if you want him to be likable. Like, it was it was necessary for Zuko, but because the other male protagonists are already the good guys, they don't have to apologize. The thing is that <laughs> so Sokka also, like, when, when, he's ta- when Sokka is talking to talk about, um, what's it, when Katara's in, like, the waterfall thing, and they're sitting yeah, over the, the cliff. Yeah, the runaway, and she's the underneath runaway. them listening. And, and he's like, you know, like, I get that Katara is bothering you, but she's really been through a lot, and she really is the reason that all of us have stayed together and survived. Like, you can see that Sokka recognizes how much Katara really does do for everyone, and how she really is, like, a motherly figure. How much figure she did for not... him before any of this happened. Yeah, and throughout the whole series, like, that she does for everyone, and, like, and it's so crazy because you can tell that he knows and recognizes that she does this and she shouldn't have to as she like she's like his younger sister. But then he still continues to like pull stuff like that and like not stand up for her and, and just things like that. Where like and Katara doesn't hold it against him. Like if I was Katara, like I if Sokka and I got into a fight, I've been like, I've been cleaning up after your ass for years. I've been keeping your shit together and my shit. Like, give me some respect, damn. And like she doesn't ask for that. Like she just allows it. Cause she's like not, she's mature enough to understand. But I, I also it think it's very interesting when Katara and Sokka have conflicts with each other though. I'll talk about that more for the character relationship section, but do we have any more best moments to address before we head into the darker era? I have, so I have a few more. I don't yes. want to just like take others time, but. No, do um, it. There's as much time as we fucking need, go. Particularly the two moments where Aang like goes into the Avatar state out of pure grief in one that episode with Appa, and then in I think it's the second episode where they go third. to the Air Temple, third, um, and both times, whereas everyone else's reaction is to just be afraid of him or they run away, in both instances Katara knows that all that really needs to happen is she goes up to him and reaches out her hand and hugs him, and that calms him down, and she is like. Like, no one else would think to do that. And she oh, and is the one. Because she's the only person that's so familiar with this kind of grief and recognizes that you just need someone to be there for you. And she's willing also to be there for people when one. no one was there for her. Yeah, that's true. Also, just, the beginning of season two, with the, um, when they're trying to force Aang into the Avatar state. And she's she doesn't like, comfort guess, him there because she's still recovering no, from she being does. suffocated No, she does. She says it's really scary for someone who cares about you to watch. Yeah. Before, no, before not, they pull her under, she's... About, when they oh pulling him back yeah yeah like that was because roku like yeeted him back into his body but beforehand when she's like it's really scary for the people who love you to see you like that and ang has been guilted into trying to force himself in the to the avatars i have i hate that episode um but that also <laughs> like it's not narratively irrelevant i just am really disgusted by the fact that this grown-ass earth kingdom general was p- pitting the guilt of a hundred years of war on a 12 year old child 
I feel like it was really because he's the avatar and he's supposed to have all this responsibility, even though he's a child. But I just love that she's like the emotional core of the group. And yes. she knows that sometimes the best answer is just to hold someone and to hug them. Yes, absolutely. Real disgusting when people don't do that for her, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, Katara, stellar character, honestly. Love her. Love every second she's on screen, except for when suddenly she starts acting a type of way because that's more convenient for certain perceptions of her, which is how we're going to go into... Wait, wait, I have another best moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. The final Agni Kai, you know. It. <laughs> Quick thinking. When, yes. And she takes down Azula. Oh my God. Freezing her in the bubble. That mo- in, the, in the ice. That part. Incredible. So this close. And then, this yeah, close. And then, Exactly. And then she breathes and she gets out and she locks her. Ah, oh, it's so good. And cuts off it's... Azula's breath so she can't firebend. Like it's <sighs> artistic masterpiece. I, I didn't want her to bloodbend Azula. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I really did. I have two more for favorite moments. One is absolutely the bloodbending episode because I love that episode. I love Hama. Mm. To quote Dante <laughs> Bosco, Hama's a gangster. <laughs> She's a gangster. Um, um, I love that episode. I think bloodbending is like the coolest fucking thing. It but is. The, the part where she, like, Hama is controlling Aang and Sokka and they're about to hit each other and then she starts bloodbending Hama. Definitely a best moment. And the fact that she didn't learn it. She just had to impulsively grab onto whatever she could to save her friends. Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then her powerful statement of, I'm never going to bloodbend again. And she doesn't. Well, no, she does. Blood. She bloodbends the dude who she thinks is Yan Ra, and I yeah. think that so speaks fast. to so, this. Yes, like that. that speaks to so much of like the state of her mental state in that episode. Like that's the type of grief and anger that Aang was feeling, and that she was there for him for. <laughs> and Zuko was there for her for that one. So let's mm-hmm. just talk who about who was helping that Katara in the Southern yeah. Raiders. <laughs> Speaking of there? the Southern Raiders, uh, if you're watching on visual. <laughs> this moment yes. she freezes so, the rain that is my absolute favorite moment for katara and possibly in the entire series that whole fucking sequence of her letting go says, i thought i got rid of i thought there was one last airbender or something waterbender no she was protecting the last waterbender what who me she was, she goes, me, and then she freezes the rain. Bruh, that shit gives me chills every fucking time. It is the most phenomenal fucking sequence in the entire show. I love my- the part with the ice, right? Like, the ice shards just hovering yeah. right in front of his face. Right oh in front of God. him. Absolute okay. chills. That episode is a favorite of mine, but because she lets go and doesn't let her anger change her, and, like, like she could have really easily killed him. And, like, and with the grief and, like, the way that his actions ruined, like, I mean, not ruined, but really ruined a, a large part of her, her childhood. Life. It ruined, yeah, it ruined her, her life. life. Yeah. It, I mean, it just completely destroyed her life. I mean, killed her mother, like, just so much of her grief was tied to that of the war and everything's happened to her. And she didn't kill him. Like, honestly, I would have. Like, I, maybe that makes me a bad person, but I would have been. No, I sure like, Yonra is a piece of shit. Like, she she is a piece of shit. That's exactly him. why she doesn't kill him. He's a worthless yeah. exactly. piece of shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And he was really go. like, kill my mom instead. He's a piece of shit. He's a I worthless piece yeah. of shit. And that's sort of one of her big 
story arcs and kind of the culmination mm-hmm. for one of her major story arcs is choosing not to be fu- be vengeful and to kill people sort of under Zuko's guidance. Her choice. Like there are, there's some crackhead interpretation that she doesn't kill Yanra in that moment because she remembered what Aang said. Fuck no. that. First of all, there's no indication that in that episode, Katara is giving a single fuck about anything Aang is saying. When she leaves, she says, thank you for understanding, not thank you for telling me that. Like, she's like, okay, I'm taking the bison goodbye. Like, the, everything she says after deciding not to kill Yanra says, you are not worth my mental health anymore. Like, I see you now. I recognize this now. It's kind of like she just needed to face this man and tell him that he's a piece of shit and leave. You know, kind of like Zuko did a closure. few episodes she earlier. Closure. Yeah. Because if she would have killed him, that would have been a whole can of worms of, like, guilt and so forth. Right. And having to deal with that on her head, which I think also might lead up to the finale. But we'll talk about that when we get there. That's, that's also what I think is so great about the show, is that they know that being vengeful isn't the answer and that it will only cause harm for, to you in real life. And that's such a great lesson. And that violence is not always the answer, with, which is how they just really d- don't do that in Korra. It just gets me. Yeah, Korra just- The way they said the Like, Mako really just killed Mingwa. Like, I, I was watching that. He electrocuted her. And then we don't, like, Mako killed her. And that goes completely unaddressed. Yeah. And Korra's main answer to everything is violence. And again, it's supposed to contrast Aang, but also I feel like they like tried to- Like, that's not making Korra her own All of her conflicts Korra were, like, Aang. her getting beat up. Just everything was her getting beat up and then learning to be stronger fighter, like, not, like, Yeah, we hate learning. the Legend of Korra, and also Katara's not in the Legend of Korra. That's some weird water tribe old lady. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I cannot stand the Legend of Korra interpretation of Katara. It's garbage and completely absent of everything that made Katara Katara in the original series. Aside from she's a healer who also can't ever actually heal anybody who's having a problem. This isn't about the Legend of Korra. We are loving Katara. Any other best moments. But it is about Katara and she's in it. That's not Katara. Like legitimately, I cannot associate. That's not her. It's not. (laughs) I mean, I think it's still worth, like maybe at the end of the episode, we can talk about how how they treated her and because it is relevant to the conversation of her development i just really hate it (laughs) um because i want to give the legend of korra what it's due because it's not like a complete garbage fire it's just why did they do that to katara they kind of just like mess up the whole main cast from the first the original series except for Toph, threw roles onto them but well, even Toph- then, it's kind of weird that Toph, like, had kids, like, by choice. It's, I don't know. They never really go into why Toph is a mother. Um, and, like, say that she and was why a, she joins the police she was a force. bad mom. Like, it just doesn't make she sense. founds the police force. Why she founds the police force. <laughs> we, we, we I, I, I would have understood okay, get to if she just started an elite attack. later on. We're going to stick to the main series because that's what makes me feel good. <laughs> Thank you so much because yes. I haven't watched... Legend of Korra. Uh, that's good job. <laughs> okay. One last moment for Katara. Um, not a favorite moment, just a moment I liked was when her and Aang were dancing in the, the season three I when they go to scene. visit. You don't like it? No, it's pointless. <laughs> I just think it was a cool dance. It's like absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, like it's a it's a spectacle. That's the thing. Like it's not in any way relevant to the narrative of the story. Like I, the headband and hole is okay. very much a like 
I'm gonna middle school that. fantasy because like there's no like it's just showcasing to us how okay. like amicable and fun and lovable Aang is but we already know that by season three so we're not learning also, anything Katara, new Katara like was able to kind of have some fun there and like yeah, it's, okay. it's wait, a, wait, one wait, of the wait. few moments where she just lets to, gets to you have know, fun after acting like his mom yeah <laughs> Yami is so impressed. Okay. I don't like Wait, the headband. I like I like that moment. First of all, just because I like to dance and I just like to see the characters dancing well, when yeah, you never I love see to them vi- dance. Before. Vibe and dance, and I like that it is the dance, but I don't like that. But like, if, I want if to they more focus on the school kids, the Katang moment was completely unnecessary and wasn't even framed as like an intimate moment. It was just okay, a what, spectacle. But she was blushing. I remember her blushing, and it was stupid. here's the thing here's the thing watching that scene made me feel so uncomfortable there was something weirdly like dancing on the line of erotic and it wasn't for me and i was especially because they're kids and so i was like this is oddly intense for somebody who's 12 Skip over the secret tunnel episode when she's like, oh, you know, like we should like. Love will find a way. But I don't understand why she says that. Because how do you get love is brightest in the dark? Like the key word of that statement is dark. Why the fuck do you want to kiss him? Like I can't understand why Katara would be attracted to Aang, um, particularly at the, the beginning of season two. But also oh my god, ever. are we gonna kiss now? The writers want to throw in. A, are we about to kiss? Moment. I will agree. I don't think that I don't think that Aang and Katara like were really right for each other and I didn't really get the vibe from each other and sure Zutara I think is probably better wait why do you sound so far away can you hear me yes you just sound really far away okay we'll just be quiet go I am right against the computer okay um (laughs) uh but you one of the things that you kept saying was that there was like no proof of Katara liking Aang and I think if anything those specific moments where Katara is the one that suggests that they should kiss could be a hint, as well as that dance moment where she's blushing and she seems to like him. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, they go into these moments of, like, yes, she is attracted to him now, but I can't understand why. There's no reason. There's There's no no development. explain love. No, but there's no, like, development. Because we have, we have, yeah, we have clear establishments early on of her, like, she doesn't have feelings for Aang. Like, we have clear yeah. establishments earlier where she's like, she doesn't feel that way, blah, blah, blah. And then the thing with the problem with, like, their arc as far as develop, like, there is no development. It's just sprung on randomly every now and mm-hmm. then and then forgotten about in other episodes. Um, so when these moments come where, like, she's, like, suggesting to kiss, there's it's nothing weird. prior to that moment to suggest why. You're she sitting here like, suggest- why do you want to kiss him? Like, it doesn't Because Aang-, Aang gets all the attention, like, Right from the bat, what he has a crush on Katara. Like, the what fortune teller, she doesn't. She th- that's the first moment, but she doesn't think about him. First of all, in the beginning of that episode, she's like, Aang's just a friend. Yeah, yeah, wait, like, yeah. And no, she's okay. like, she's like, she's like, Aang is, Aang is a sweet boy, just like, just like Momo. He's just a friend. Yeah. Then, a and then, and then she gets this fortune about, oh, a very powerful bender. If Aang was in her mind at all for a crush, she she shouldn't need Sokka that to be like, Aang's a powerful Katara, bender. Yeah. Not Aang. Because when we hear the, the very powerful bender thing, we're looking at Aang and how he's go. so excited because he's a powerful bender and that's all he fucking cares about. But let's talk about how the entire Fortune Teller episode parallels Aang's crush on Katara to Mang's crush on Aang. You know, the thing that Mang has to get over. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so I, that's what I mean when I say like the moments like uh, I'm um, angry. Like I can't the, stand the, the fact that they were so yeah. desperate to push this romantic relationship that didn't work and does not need to be centered in the narrative. <sighs> yeah. So, really so moments like working. yeah. So moments like the dance like felt. First of all, I was uncomfortable, and then second of all, again, another moment where it just feels out of nowhere, because we get so much of Aang being like, I love Katara, I can't let her go, I really want to do something with her, blah, 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 and then Katara, nothing until, oh, let's do it, and it's like, okay, um, hi? It's, yeah, it's like, in the fortune teller, not thinking about Aang the entire time until Sokka says, wow, Aang's a powerful bender, and then she's like, huh, and she doesn't seem, like, excited about that, she's just kind of like, hmm. She's like... <laughs> She's like, wow, he is. Why did I think about the Avatar being a powerful bender? <laughs> Odd. Yeah, I feel like there. I feel like the core of it was that they had absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yeah. Had no chemistry, and they had like the first half was all of these lines of how she sees him as like a child or like a a brother, and then they started writing narratives where she starts having feelings back but there there was no in between like if anything i could kind of believe it if she was saying oh he's just a sweet little guy but then they have like an they animate her face to be like she's trying to cover up her true feelings exactly um, anything like that but she exactly. honestly just like pats him on the head like a puppy so that's clearly yeah. how she actually feels about him i and then really there's no like moment of, of her was just just pushing oh, like sorry. that men and women can't just be friends like that is what i really got from that, that like the they most. couldn't just hang out all summer in the sun and hanging out and not fall in love it's just like honestly they could have just been bros for life like guitar yeah. could have gone and like married could have just like, waited until they hang. like actually had personalities that weren't based entirely around trauma honestly i think they gave Katara those little random ass sprinkles of like, oh, Aang, you're here and you're a male of the male persuasion. <laughs> Just a because. male persuasion. Because honestly, Aang ready to make her gay yet. Huge obsession <laughs> over her. And then yeah. like to make it less creepy that this little 12 year old has a huge obsession over her. Well, she has to have some sort of feelings back. So it makes it warranted that he is literally actively all over her. Constantly. And also, like, the fact that they had to just be together forever starting at 14, like, no, like, they could have, like, maybe yeah. had, like, one of those, you know, it's like when you spend a lot of time together with someone, your feelings can get confused, and, and I feel like they could have explored that, <laughs> but also, like, they were children, and, like, 10 years down the road, they could have just been like, you know what, Aang, you need to go be the Avatar, like, you don't have time for a relationship, like, oh, you're a kid, he, go have a life, go learn chakra. about the world. He's <laughs> His Katara chakra. is a part of Aang, whether she likes no. it or not. I think that a lot of Aang's obsession with Katara came with he lost everything. And she and, was the first and then thing he, he saw when he woke was, up. Yeah, and she was like the a main baby thing duckling. that cared about him he in his time in this new world. He imprinted on her. Oh no, <laughs> not that. <laughs> uh, I hate it. Like it's, I know that was not the intention in writing it, but that's the way it ends up looking in the full context of the series. And like, Katara's crush on every other, like, she, she's like, oh, Haru's cute, ooh, Jet is cute, Zuko, I hate him, but also what? Like, like, <laughs> she didn't need to, she could have spent 14, date a couple people, have her live her life, she's a kid, like. 
Yeah, I also I like really... people. People grow up and change. Like there, yeah. Aang is twelve. Twelve. No, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know who you want to be with when you're twelve. Come on, that you gotta... and like and you don't know who you're gonna be when you're twelve. Who you're gonna be? Yeah, you're gonna change. Like the, the Avatar, sure, but like the, you literally have no idea what that means. Like now mm-hmm. that you know the Fire Lord is defeated and we're going to try and dismantle the imperialism of the Fire Nation. Who are you going to be? What is also, the, how would he being have time the Avatar for going a whole to mean to you? Relationship, family, rebuilding an entire society. He didn't. Society. That's how. He didn't. You want to yeah. know the long story short? He didn't. He only took one child with him onto everything and abandoned the rest. And guess which child he took with him? I'll give you three the guesses. The airbend. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses. All three I, I just hated that they did that to Aang. He w- I don't think he would have been that type of father. Like, it, exactly. It's based on like, the I can understand comment. him being a he... bad parent because that's what a lot of traumatized children yeah. turn into. What I don't understand is him being like, yes, a nuclear family is for me. <laughs> I don't I understand being a bad parent but like the fact that it's like only taking one child onto all these adventures that are completely irrelevant to er- like that's there's being a bad parent and then there's ex- specifically excluding <laughs> yeah. some of your and children. you know what like he's your bad he's parent all about not by rebuilding choice. he's all about rebuilding yeah. the air nomad culture as if other people can't know and respect a culture that Maybe they're not specifically a part of, but like they okay, are I'm part gonna of it. Though, the the conversation ways. for a second because we got way too deep into Ang territory. That's gonna be a different yeah. episode. Back, um, back to Katara. Back to Katara though. As far as like the crush thing, um, and like Katara. there's no so. there's no moments there's no moments of her seeing Ang the way Ang sees her, or like like he doesn't yeah. do something and she like not realizes, oh, that was that was really sweet of him. Wow, that made me feel a certain way. It's not like that. It's just like we yeah. are dancing. Yeah. <laughs> We are in a cave. It's it's nothing like... I am going to kiss you before I might die. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing like like her realizing her feelings. We never get that at all. And when we... Even some of those moments where they're trying to make the romantic... Like the invasion kiss, she like blushes, but she turns away and frowns. Like, she's not (laughs) happy about it. Like she's either neutral or perceivably unhappy after some of these interactions. And I'm like, what are we saying here? I like that. Oh wait, I don't. <laughs> exactly. First of all, when he first kisses, when he first kisses her, her eyes are so wide, <laughs> and she's just like a statue, and she's like, "What is?" And this? you know what? And it's all a great argument for maybe Katara is, you know, LGBT. She like she's like maybe I like him, and she kisses him. She's like, I don't like that. I wonder why. And they don't let her interact with any girls her own age, so like she very well Toph, could yeah. just be comp head through the entire. Well, Toph isn't her age. Toph is 12. Like, there's a very distinct line between 12 and 14 that they draw in this series. Which they feel like they can walk all over with Aang. I was just going to say that. I was like, they blur those lines with Aang. Like, a lot of people interpret the penguin sledding scene as Aang reintroducing Katara to childhood. Oh, let's talk about that first, like, two episodes. Because I felt some type of way. Like, I even wrote it down in my notes. I was like, oh, that's cute that, like... Aang is making Katara feel like a like a kid again, but then she turns her whole back on her whole clan after allegations of being like, I have to protect them. What for? You have no idea what this man can do, and he has no training. None. And it and the thing that really agitates me, the penguin sledding scene to me, I understand as Katara has forgotten her childhood. Like that mm-hmm. has been a consequence of having to take on such a degree of responsibility so early on. And that has removed her from much of her childhood. It just distinguishes the maturity gap between the two of them, in my opinion. That Aang is like, I'm gonna wake up, don't know where I am, don't know what's going on, but I wanna go play. And Katara is like, you know, 
got a chance to enjoy that. And I think it is a valuable interaction, but it highlights a maturity gap more so than it's like she yeah. can be a kid again because she doesn't get to be a kid again for the rest mm -hmm. of the series. Yeah. And I think the maturity gap seems really clear. And like the fact that she has so much more deep and mature like conversation with Zuko when they're trapped in the Earth Kingdom episode, when they're below and they have this the moment one where person like, that's willing to this listen is why to her I don't about like you her and, mom. And he kind of yeah. finally hears about why it's so hard for her. And, and they have this really deep conversation where like her and Aang are just like, oh yeah, my people died. Cool. Like, oh yeah, my mom's dead. Cool. Let's just go on an adventure. And, and like Zuko, like, yeah, they've had a lot of issues, but like they actually have a full adult conversation about it. And like, which leads to how they are able to be friends later on. And like she and doesn't have these mature like conversations with Aang very often. The, I would say the mature conversation between Katara and Zuko comes in the Southern Raiders, less so than like in the catacombs, because we don't get to see enough of their interaction in the catacombs. I think there is a lot of value in like having them talk to each other in the catacombs more than like, you know, what we do get. Um, and that's not just me saying, I want to see more of Katara and Zuko together. Like, I feel like it could have been in this very strange, neutral, combative, you were my enemy, but you were the only person that's listened to me kind of place. Like, if there's a lot of nuance to explore him, there. It'd be Katara. Like, if anyone could change Zuko in that moment, it would have been Katara. Like, that I don't moment, want anyone to change Zuko. I want Zuko to change himself. Zuko did have his whole fever dream before that, which she got through him. <laughs> But like as soon as he saw Azula, he was back on his bullshit. So he was. Yeah. But just because he needed like growth, he needed to struggle to find it. Yeah. He yeah. always had to struggle that's, and fight to what get people... what he wants, and that's I made think him Katara strong. pushed him to really change and consider his perspective. She didn't. Mm -hmm. She didn't change him, but I think she planted the seed that allowed him to come to that himself. Mm -hmm. Because she really I mean... showed him like this is the consequences of some of the actions I've been taking by your people. Mm -hmm. But she also. I mean, had, Zuko's already perfectly aware of all of that, though. Him. Like, he he wasn't super in depth to the fact that like the rest of the world hates the Fire Nation and that the Fire Nation is actually doing a lot of harm than good. But he was aware of the fact that the Fire Nation inflicts awful harm in it, that his mom has disappeared, and that him objecting to the type of harm they were willing to commit their own co their own troops to was the reason he got burned. So, not about Zuko, Katara. <laughs> about Aang like reintroducing childhood to her were you saying this was you think this is a feel like this is a bad thing I feel like that's not the truth of the scene like she, it's a fun moment but it's not as though Aang is going to reinstate her childhood that's already lost it's a sunk cost but I are you saying that it shouldn't have been in the show no you think no, no that's that's not what that's not what... Oh, I was okay. just I was bringing up a point of like how other people interpret it and how I disagree with that interpretation I see what you mean. Gotcha. Yeah. He didn't bring back her childhood, but I think Aang's character is, is such that it allowed her to feel like she could be carefree and have fun again. She doesn't do it all the time, but I think that like because she's you know around someone who isn't her brother, she, who she has to take care of, that she's able to find these moments where she can play again, which is something she hasn't allowed herself to do in a while but then ang just becomes another responsibility for her yeah 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 i don't think like a major think... emotional responsibility particularly in it that she is the person always stepping up to bring him out of the avatar state i don't think ang so much represents for her a the like a return of her childhood or whatever a chance to do that again i think ang more represents hope yes for her. not to not mm. to oh. <laughs> talk about the ember island players <laughs> talking 
about hope all the time, which she doesn't do. But, but metaphorically, so cool that's the symbol. That yeah. yeah, that that is that's like what he represents to her as like hope for change, hope for the future, hope for her to learn water bending, hope to end this war. That's what Aang represents. Yes, because she's been holding out hope this entire time that the Avatar would return, and he does. And she is so ready to back him up in that mission. And what I find really interesting about them going to the Northern Water Tribe to find a waterbending master is that at the beginning of the series, Aang is still completely uninterested in being the Avatar. It's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what do we have to do? And (laughs) Katara's like, well, you have to master water, air, earth, and fire. Or no, water, earth, fire. He already knows air because he's... We're back. Anyway. Hello? Could you imagine if Katara was the Avatar, though? The the series would be a season long. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) She could have been if Aang died in the ice at some point. (laughs) No, remember, Yue was supposed to be the next Avatar. No, because the next one would be in the the Southern Water Tribe. Because Korra's after Aang. It, it goes. It, but Korra is technically Aang. birthed by Northern Water type parent. Well, no, I think her mom's Southern. But her, her father dad is was northern. from the north. But it's yeah. in. But it's. But it's like in in the Southern Water Tribe. Sure. So anyway, like, because um, the the last one was in the Northern Water Tribe. The one who um, Karuk. There was a. Uh, yeah, I guess I remember names. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I. But yeah, so know if Aang, entirely too much about the series. <laughs> if if Aang died at some point in the ice, something went wrong. A ship hit the iceberg, and then water just entered, and he just drowned. Katara could have been the next, the next Avatar. <laughs> but wasn't he in Avatar state the whole time he was in the iceberg? Pretty much. So like, if a ship had come and like beat him up, he would just went up. Well, no, because he woke up like unconscious. Yeah, he was unconscious. No, but it's like, like it exploded and there's a huge beam of energy. And then he stood like up yeah, on the edge power. of the broken iceberg and then fell over. Then but fell but this over. was but but it was underwater, right? Like she had to lift it out of water. So if yes. a, if a ship came and cracked it, yeah, the ship would be gone, but now there's a big hole in which water can enter and drown well, unconscious Aang. That state wouldn't have ruined all the like previous of the avatars. Next, yeah. Okay, he's I'm in the avatar talking about Aang. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't it, think about that. Oh my god! Yeah, the Avatar yeah, cycle so just gets like girl. ended against everyone's will. No one even notices because <laughs> everyone already thought the Avatar was gone. That would be a much less exciting series. Um, That'd just be depressing. It'd be Fire one Nation wins. Twenty-two minutes. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> Avatar Grimdark. That's what Netflix should do. Just killing. <laughs> That's the end. No. <laughs> So what if? But like you that know, would be like no, the Disney dark academia attempt, like interpretation of it. Like we'll talk about that tomorrow. You but, know, you know Disney Plus is like they I, have they, they're having in the MCU shows. They have one that's called like What If, which is like alternate things that happen or whatever. Yeah, that's it's supposed to be like alternate versions of the MCU essentially. Um, so what if Aang just died in the Avatar state while he was in the iceberg? What if? <laughs> um. But yes, we're going to scooch on into Avatar, not Avatar, Katara, worst moments. Because this is where I feel like that gets into that territory of when it's like just changing her personality to be narratively beneficial. Um, When she goes after her dad, I think it's like the top of like season two. Season three. Worst Season three. Yeah. When she's like after her dad. She's like mad at him. For like the whole episode, just like, I mean, like going after him. And I'm like, yo, he just asked if you're hungry. 
<laughs> good girl. <laughs> no, she's not. Like, I wouldn't see that as a worst moment. Like, oh, I think it's she's so mad good. at him for leaving. Essentially, yeah, she has yeah. abandonment it's part of her issues, abandonment, and Aang yeah. aggravates those abandonment issues. But they don't ever talk about that again. But anyways. <laughs> Um, she's mad at her dad for leaving. Like, she understands what, like, when she goes into that whole monologue about how she understands why he had to go, but they needed him too, and that's gonna hurt regardless. Especially, like, because their mother was also gone. Like, the only parental figure she had, I mean, sort of her grand-grand was around, but, you know, like, her father, like, was the only, you know, parental figure she had, and he chose to leave which she knew why but it's still hurtful and, and she oh, still worse. was rightfully upset but she also had the chance to go see him but was like Sokka you should go go yeah see because she recognized she's mature attachment to Hakoda is similar to her attachment to her mom like she had to make that concession it just didn't make sense for me as to why she was that that angry I could be a like understanding upset but i get it because there are certain emotional things that you don't really click into until you're faced with them like it's in front of you and you're you like it all comes rushing back so like yeah they may have been on this boat with him for weeks but who's to say she hasn't like there's a glimpse into a certain section of comic where it says that katara was just obsessively trying to heal ang while he was unconscious for those few weeks so it's probable that she just wasn't really tuned into anything else on the boat And so this is like, she's actually paying attention to Hakoda for the first time and she realizes she's mad about it. It was just pretty off-putting for me watching it. I was like- I mean, all of season three is pretty off-putting. Fair, fair. My worst moment for Katara doesn't happen in the show. It's in the comics, <laughs> but that's not her. But still, anyway, yeah, comics Katara. It's I think it's is it in the promise? I think so. I believe so. When she nods, when Aang agrees to kill Zuko, it's, it's essentially like yeah. So Zuko's like, hey, if I'm becoming like Ozai, Aang, will you off me? And then Katara is like, I'll help you do whatever you need to do, Aang. I'll support you. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> are these people exactly like, why all, why couldn't kill even kill him? ozai what makes you exactly. think that he why wouldn't able he to just kill take zuko why wouldn't he just exactly. take zuko's bending away and, like, exactly lock him up? it doesn't make any sense for like like narratively wise it doesn't make sense for the characters for katara i was like no fuck you because <laughs> no it's, like she didn't even want to kill someone who like killed fuck her any mother shipping anything if zuko says kill me if i start to turn into my dad any good friend would be like are you okay no. bro <laughs> so yeah because like, from going that far but we're not gonna like they didn't kill ozai they didn't kill like the southern raider leader like why would they kill zuko who was their friend Exactly. Like, even if he's having a bad day, like Yeah. That's why that's my worst Katara moment. I yeah. despise that moment. It's so out of character. It is not her. It boils my blood. I hate it. Uh my worst Katara moment is when she kisses Aang at the end of the series. After That's not her. She doesn't say a single I word. That's that not Katara. <laughs> because it's like their last two interactions were arguments. Or like they, fundamental they... disagreements of their own beliefs. Where they barely talk. Yells at her. Hello, my brother has Hello? a thought. <laughs> he wants to share. That's good. So wait, was it like when she was trapped in the dungeon with Zuko? Didn't they like make up for no reason? No, they, they were just for like, no reason talking because like she was yelling at Zuko for being a piece of shit, and then she cries about something and mentions that her mom is dead, or no, that the Fire Nation <laughs> took her mom away, 
And then Zuko says, like, that's something we have in common. And then that's like the first time she has humanized Zuko in the entire series. So she's willing to offer him the empathy that she offers everyone else she crosses. But isn't that kind of whack after being hunted no. for like three years? No. <laughs> three years too. Three years Slow of down. what? <laughs> it wasn't even years. It's like the first season's like a couple weeks. Like it's all hap- the whole series happens within a year. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. my brother's hot take. He doesn't like that, I guess. I mean, like he's a, he doesn't like Zutara. It's okay. I mean, the big deal <laughs> with Katara's character is that she is almost unendingly empathetic, and that even to the people who have hurt her, she is willing to bring them back into her good graces under certain circumstances. Like yeah, he, even earlier, she offered to heal to heal Iroh when uh, Zuko and Iroh were there after Azula, Azula shot Iroh. Yeah. So like Katara is willing. She was to like Zuko. And, I can help. I mean, Toph, I mean, sure, you can say that, but that's not the point I'm of this conversation. Zach. Zach's brother. <laughs> anyway, um, I we all love Toph. Toph is a spectacular character. A crux of Katara's character is that she is willing to be so empathetic. Um, and so it, it it's not out of character that she is willing to, like, extend that olive branch to Zuko in the catacombs. Um, She's the one who does it for Katara everybody. Moment. Yeah, Especially um, after she said her say. Like once she yeah. was able to tell him about the anger and like, and Zuko doesn't like get mad at her in turn. He recognizes that he did shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. What's um, your worst Katara moment? Yeah, so let's rewind a little bit. We're gonna go all the way back to the Southern Raiders, where Aang sees that Katara is angry and that Zuko's backing her up, and then like moralizes her for it. Um, take a lot of issue with that. Then we're gonna go to the Ember Island players, where he. Uh, kisses her when she just said she was confused and then she rejects him and then he like feels bad about it but doesn't apologize and then we're going to go to the top of Sosin's comment where um he yells at her for not understanding the the uh what is it conundrum almost of having to kill someone when she did that two episodes earlier um and then like she's literally just trying to help like she didn't even get to voice her opinion he just yelled at her and left and then uh, he disappears again, aggravating those abandonment issues, but they're not going to confront that. Um, and then, then they kiss. They don't <laughs> talk. Yeah. Aang. They're, a lot of those moments were Aang doing shit. Yeah. No, no like but the, all of that the, leading up to her kissing him. It doesn't make sense. Like they barely talk in the entire finale, which is four episodes long. And the only time they talk is that argument. And then before that, in the previous episode, he's like, he's like, I thought we were going to be together. And she's like, I'm confused right now. I don't want to do that. And then he kisses her and she's like, I just thought I was confused. What the fuck are you doing? And then it's never addressed again. But that's nope. the worst Aang moment. Not... No, no, the worst like, part the the worst... of all of Aang's worst moments into her kissing him is my worst Katara moment. Yeah. Her I think that him? my takeaway from her, kiss, her kissing him at the the final the shot of the show. Because they make a point. Uh... They like made a very intentional point that Katara leans in to kiss Aang because that means she reciprocates, of course. Like it goes beyond all of the other instances of suddenly Katara is attracted to Aang because it is prefaced by so much of like Aang kind of acting like an ass. I and think, now that he's the hero, he gets the girl, didn't you I, know? I think that all of my, I don't really have, I can't think of really any worst moments, but all of my worst moments would just be the dissonance of like how she feels about Aang and that they can't choose a side. Like if we're going with, yeah, she's meant to be with Aang and she actually likes him, then her worst moments would be when she calls him like a child or, or acts like he's a little brother. Alternatively, um, if 
and supposed to be the other way around, it would be all of the moments where she reciprocates when there was no evidence previous to that. So I don't know. Those are my may, worst moments of anything. I think it could have been valid if like season one, she was like, no, you're a kid, ew. Season two, she was like, wait, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. She was like, had some moments where she was like, wait, hold up. What, what's I doing? Like, and she kind of starts reconsidering him. And then of season three, she was like, oh, should I like him? And they made it like what an arc of doing? her going from what are you not liking him to being a little confused to deciding that she likes him. But the way that they did do it did not give a good lead up that made it make sense. Yeah, that's why I'm like, there was no, that's why I really hate the fact that romance is centered in this narrative the way it is, because it's not necessary because <laughs> like if if it was we would have seen that progression for Katara but because season two has so much other shit happening in it that there wouldn't really be room for her to be like hmm, maybe I do like this kid but there's no time for that because they get lost in the desert and then they have to find <laughs> opera and then they're dealing with all the bullshit in Ba Sing Se and then Jet dies and then the finale like it's so much <laughs> I feel like with all those moments where Katara what are words? Oh my God. Well, she has all this empathy and I feel like they just take advantage of that where she's just like, anytime Aang does something wrong, she just is like, okay, whatever. Oh, I like you. Um, I feel like it would have been really valid if she was just like, you know, I really care about you, but like you need to back off and like take a stand where she's like, I don't want this and you need to respect that. I'm like, If they like allowed her to just, have agency in the relationship mm -hmm. at literally any point. Because Katara has full agency in pretty much all of her other relationships platonically. So I don't understand why when it came to romance, that was taken from her. Wait, Aang, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> Just the way Taryn said it. Just made me think of that. Because <laughs> it was... <laughs> like in season two... The thing that geeks me is that season two is played with this very interesting problem of dropping a guitar and romantically coding like environmental moments, but because they're having a fundamental disagreement of beliefs, they don't come across as effectively romantic. Because like top of season one, they're like talking during the sunset and she says like indirectly, I love you during it. But because they're having this fundamental disagreement of you should not be forcing yourself into the avatar state versus I have to force myself into the avatar state, it doesn't feel effectively romantic. Fast forward to the serpent's past when it's moonlight and she's like, hey, you're not letting yourself feel anything and that's still not healthy. And he walks away. Like it's, it, you can't just like control, paste people into romantic scenes and be like, yes, this is effective romance, good night. <laughs> Well, my worst moment for Katara um, is the fortune teller episode. Like they really just like make her very two dimensional in that episode where she just like becomes obsessed with the fortune teller and they make it seem like it's a bad thing. And they, and I don't know what they were doing there. But I feel I, like they I make felt... it a pretty effective comedic device. Um, and it gives me very much like people who base their entire life on the most shallow understanding of astrology energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think like they, they could have, Katara could have had like a genuine interest in it and like they took it too far to make it funny like but also like that's like I like that stuff like I have tarot cards and I think it's valid like a lot of people especially you know pre-technology era like really did believe in that stuff and really used you know fortune tellers as a way of like, like observing having things in nature guidance. to guide yourself exactly life. yeah and the, that whole episode just kind of felt like the writers like making fun of yeah. you know fortune tellers and like having all the people just blindly believe it 
and like Katara no, like yeah. was seeming like a silly girl because she just wanted to know all this stuff. Whereas they could have made it like a mature thing where Katara doesn't have a motherly figure. She doesn't have anyone she can ask these questions about, you know, love and romance. She's surrounded by her fucking brother and like little kid ass Aang. Like, like it's understandable that she'd want someone to guide her in, in a time where she's 14 and just discovering emotions and feelings and, yeah. you know, have that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't like that they did that to her. Mm, yeah, definitely a lot of... It's weird that we don't hear her ask anything about her bending for the fortune teller. If she's asking everything about her life, we only hear her ask about romance and what she should eat the next day. Yeah, <laughs> and but about like, like she there doesn't was, ask about there was something about like like care, like facial care or whatever. There was yeah, some, they're like, talking about like lotion products. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird that she didn't ask anything about like you're talking bending. to the fortune teller. If you her bending, will will she become a powerful bender or like something How like that? How is her dad she, doing? How is her grandmother yeah, doing? Yeah, they turn her. They make it's it's kind of it's shallow. trivialized, and yeah, it, it's I trivialized. think it speaks to what Karen mentioned of like they're treating this like foreign, you know, silly spirituality based on you know pointless things in the sky as like inappropriate, um, like yeah, a trivialization of a different form of spirituality and faith. Which is which is why it's also weird that like so much of the episode is like you shouldn't believe it, you shouldn't just take the fortunes. Either they're not true, point blank period, this this is ridiculous, or they don't mean what you think they will mean. And then the end of the episode they want us to believe that it's saying that she's gonna be with Aang. Yeah. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. Pick pick a side. <laughs> And again, that Mang has to get over her crush, but Aang doesn't have to get over his. And that's the lesson, like, Aang has to, like, like, Aang is part of that narrative of, like, teaching Mang that she has to get over. So why is that never something he has to learn? And it's something that's brought up man. later. But how is, her, man. how is her fortune about her marrying a powerful bender even supposed to be taken seriously when she was, like, everything else was bullshit and she, like, got the predictions wrong? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. they don't... They don't... Oh, we are in agreement. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they like never decide if the fortunes are believable and thus like what is going to come of that. Like the fortune teller episode feels very much like a throwaway and like I hope Netflix yeah. likes it. Heike Loki. <laughs> that's kind of interesting about like the world building here is like is spirituality and fortune telling real or is it something that like very similar to like astrology where some people believe in it, other people think it's bullshit. Yeah. Like that's just a very interesting question about the world building here. I think that they just could have done something where, like, you know, maybe Sokka thinks it's silly because he just, that's not his, for him, but they could have put, a, you know, a note where it's like, if that is something that you find comforting and something that helps you through your life, to, you know, the way that religion helps some people find peace, then that, if that's what someone chooses to believe in, that, that should be respected. But they could also have put in a small mention of, like, but don't let it rule your life. Because I feel like that's what they were going for is that these people blindly believed every single word she said and let her made all the decisions. Like I get that was sort of what they were going for, but they also really, you know, like were just rude about this entire way of thinking and just like very. They just turned it all into a joke and in turn, any value that could be gleaned from the episode was thrown away. Exactly. Also, I really just like that moment with with, um, Ira going to her and she was like, would you like your fortune read? And he's like, at my age, I only There's have only one, one big surprise left and I prefer it remain a mystery. Yeah, I, love that. I like that moment. Um, let's see, Katara, Katara. Do we have any more worst moments? 
No, she's wonderful. I love Katara. She's absolutely so spectacular, <laughs> stellar, unmatched, She can do no wrong. The only wrong things are are of the fault of the writers and not her. Yeah, it's when they just decide that she needs to be this other way most often, like, like, at her expense for Aang. Like, when she, she does a lot of, like, conceding to what Aang wants rather than, like, thinking for herself. In the same way that she's such a strong feminist character for wanting to choose to fight and standing up for herself, she does that so consistently, except when it comes to romance and to her brother and to romance Aang. with Aang, particularly. Like we yeah. understand the way she's interacting with Haru, the way that she interacted with Jet, but they do a lot of like making it seem like the Katara's agency in her romantic relationships is because she doesn't actually know what she wants, which is really stupid and sexist. <laughs> I just would have liked more moments of her, Aww. you know, standing up for herself emotionally as much as she stands up for herself morally. You gotta go, Roxy. Bye. 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 Thank you for Taco, Taco. Sorry, guys. Roxy, any closing thoughts, comments? Um, <laughs> Katara is a bad bitch, and I think that her story arc is one of the most interesting ones, as it's the most one of the most consistent ones that actually mm. has like overarching like developments however they gave her a rotten ending with that whole kiss thing but mm -hmm. yes we digress and onwards and onwards after right. the show <laughs> pretty rotten yeah right i'm <laughs> i'm about to dive into this but like a major part of having like an effective feminist character is agency that that person is making their own decisions for their own reasons like particularly when it's female characters like she is empowered in the things she's doing because she wants to do them so when they have this particularly where it regards Aang a lot of conceding to what he wants rather than considering what she would or again like kissing him for no reason like it's why is she stripped of her agency exclusively in the romantic context with the person you're trying to pair her with what does that say about what you're saying about relationships i have a thought experiment would y'all, what if you were writing the show and you could change whatever you wanted, what would be the ideal path for Katara, mostly talking about romance, who, who do you think she worked the best with and how would you change it around there, but also just in general, how would you she change it? She herself and her. Uh, yeah, I would say hot take, she didn't need romance. She could have just gone off to be My a, absolute best a master like waterbender and helped grow the Southern Water Tribe and like teach women how to fight and, and teach unity between the genders and then also taught men how to heal as well. Like she didn't need romance, she was 14. That's the thing. So and I she decided that later the, she could have. My own like post-canon, like head canons that, um, you know, nicks all of the random stuff where Katara stops being herself for Aang, right? Like throughout the series, all of that's removed. So then we're at the end of the series. She just had to save Zuko's life. Earlier, she had to save Aang's life. And she's grappling a lot with this place of having to save her friend's lives, which is incredibly traumatizing in and of itself. And it's scary for her because she didn't prioritize healing. So she's like, probably like, I don't hate the fact that they inherently made her choose healing as part of her life path. I hate the way that they did it. I think her switching gears to healing would be a very appropriate course for this new vision of the world that they're trying to move into, a world that is trying to be healed. And I like the idea of her starting like a medical corps, like an international medical corps of waterbending healers who are here to help the world move into this new era of peace. Like that would be, and it like, it, it would make more sense as to this like globalized sense of world that you get in the legend of Korra. 
because I don't understand why particularly people from the Northern Water Tribe would be leaving unless there was a reason to. And it, it would particularly be a feminized initiative where Qatar is trying to teach a lot of female waterbenders about the power that they hold, not only in healing, but like they could learn to fight. They can go see more of the world. They don't have to be in arranged marriages if they don't want to be. Like there is other ways to live potentially. And I like she could be such a fantastic leader in that respect. Like that's the, my ideal Katara. <laughs> mm-hmm. To, to answer your question on the romance front, I agree with what Taryn said about not needing it. I think, first of all, in the show, that's just not, that's just not important. It doesn't to the need show to be centered in the narrative. It doesn't need to be there. I think, like, for, yeah, they're like, all kids first of all, the and way, it's for yeah. kids. They don't need romance. Yeah. And she's, she's 14 years old. Like she's going to grow and change. Like, yes, I ship Zutara, but realistically by the point of the the end of the show there is no way to have realistically made Zutara happen in canon and have it be make sense and be fulfilling it's just like there's no room for that development it's something that could be later on in their lives yeah. but in the show like I think this isn't an Aang episode but I think Aang realizing that like the person you like like the same lesson that Mang had like him realizing that lesson and fully accepting it could have been like where that plot line that relationship plot line like wraps up for the show and then maybe it does happen in the future who knows like with like when they get older and things change and relationship dynamics change but in the show in these three seasons where they are the same age the entire time they don't need it it's not needed it's not and <laughs> I would like... like to say that Zuko and Katara had way more chemistry in their fights and in their yeah, chemistry. Yeah, it's not even like a Aang chemistry thing. It's the fact that there is like an actual emotional leveling happening with the two yeah. of them. Because they have to go from enemies to friends, like, and, they, and they're, and like, that's one of the most important, like, relationship developments that's not like relationship romantic, but relationship developments in the show is them becoming friends and that arc they already have a lot of development in place, which is why I see like in the future in their life, they could go to the romantic side because there's already so much time dedicated to them having to come to the same playing field and having to come to terms with like how they see each other and having to understand each other in different ways. But it's, but at, like I said, like they just became friends like a couple episodes before the finale. She just forgave him. It was, too soon for a relationship to begin. yeah especially after like she just saved his life like i don't want them to date after that that would be really muddy and i don't i want them to be able to like step back and heal and enjoy themselves and then you know figure out where the relationship with all of their friends stand separate thing i really wish katara and ua could have been friends i think they would have been really good friends to be fair and there'd be a really interesting relationship to explore between the two of them because Yue has the moon spirit and they within her and Katara the is a water tribes. Yue Tara underrated ship. I remember when they did like the ATLA prom tag, there was a lot of Yue Tara art and it was so cute. Um, did they even meet? They should yeah, have. There was no other. reason for them not to. I'm, they talk to each other. There are seeds where they're both there and like talking about whatever woo Bechdel test um, but, it's, but it's usually about like whatever the the fight is going on so they're not yeah. talking about boys yeah you're right about the Bechdel test they talked about the spirits right <laughs> yeah yeah they talk um, about the spirits there's a funny moment where they're like talking whispering to each other while Aang is trying to meditate 
Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's that. like, shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to meditate, Mom. Sorry, Anakin, I didn't mean no to. Sleep cause <laughs> yeah, I wish Katara and Yue could have interacted more. But, like, to the relationship, I have another prompt that would be, like, most I valuable. I wish Katara and Suki got to hang out more. Yeah, there was and no... I, and I kind of wish for more... with girls her age. I just also kind of wish for more, like, sibling relationship building between her and, and Sokka. Of just, like, moments of, like, you're my sister and, like, I'm so proud of the fighter and the person you've become. And also, I still worry about you and her being, like, Sokka, thank you, but I'm okay, like. You know, I know you have my back, but I can do this. Yeah, and, that like, would have fit being, really like, nicely cool. in both of their arcs, too. Katara didn't and, like, interact they're with They're together, but they don't honestly talk that much. And, like, and, you know, after you, like, you know, Katara like, other, Sokka, like, you know, I'm sibling. here for you. I know you really liked her, but, like, you know, she had to do it. And then they, she could have comforted him, you know, because they're siblings. And, and they do care about each other so much. But we just don't get to see that enough. Like, Katara. a lot of their relationship is, like, the bickering and, like, the, oh, oh Katara that- does this. Oh, Sokka, haha. <laughs> I was just going to say, Katara didn't interact with other girls because she's not like other girls. She's just quirky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll see myself there it is. out. That's the end of the podcast. Good night. No. I, did, I did like Tales of Bossing Say where her and Toph kind yeah, of Yeah, that was out. sweet. And, yeah. and her, you know, being like, you know, Toph, you are, not that it matters because you're a strong fighter, but you are beautiful. And, you know, I look, care about you. And like, you know, and then and then they beat up those mean girls together. Like that was a sweet moment. But people want to say Katara didn't want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else was it? I really love. Yeah, I really do wish Katara and Suki got to have like an actual interaction. Like they could really just bond over how annoying Sokka is. There it is. <laughs> That's <could>. the moment. <laughs> the thing is, when when Suki joins the group, we talked about this in the Suki episode. Like she doesn't get anything after that point after she's just made accessory to Sokka exactly so I think that could be fun imagine imagine after like in Ember Island players after an intermission they like switch seats and like she sits next to Suki and then they're just like laughing about that's what we really needed we needed Suki and Katara moments um what else was it other Honestly, Yue should have lived and Katara and Suki should have been together. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Two strong women who both fight, who won't take nothing from any man telling them they can't fight because they're women. And then just being friends and hanging out and maybe crushing on each other. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I will say Yue kind of had to die, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I know. I get why, but it was yeah, like, oh, are you kidding yeah, it's like it's it's a very appropriate like loss for the narrative of the story that like even though they won the battle, UA is still <laughs> sorry, Ren just texted me saying he just realized today isn't Saturday. Um oh. so anyway. <laughs> they won the battle, but there that didn't come without losses. And I feel like UA is an appropriately tragic like loss for the story. I do wish we could have gotten even more attached to her because I'm an angsty whore. Um, but Angsty whore. <laughs> but yeah, that I really enjoyed. And then there was... I keep forgetting this point that I keep thinking. I hate ADHD. Katara, Suki. Katara, girls her age. Friendships. I feel like, I feel like our wanting to see you, you more of UA is just more like... 
we really felt attached to the character and we really want to see more. But yeah, it wasn't a fault of the series. Oh, to have okay. To Dead Teens. That's going to be a different episode. Yeah. Dead Teens episode. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Katara. It, yeah. like, what, what do y'all feel like were her most valuable canonical relationships? Because, like, definitely her mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, that molded her whole person prior to us meeting her. I think Soka. Shut up. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> oh my god. Soka. Um, I, I wouldn't say Aang's just because it was so they couldn't decide what their relationship was. So yeah, and like there was so much of her relationship with Aang that seemed contradictory to her character established otherwise. Right. Yeah. Oh, I Toph definitely because yeah, yes. Toph definitely. Absolutely. Toph is, kind of of Toph is the one that really like helps Katara mellow out and be a kid again, not right. Aang. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Toph is exactly. kind of her foil. Exactly. Yeah, Toph is definitely her foil. Toph is And they're both two women who like are really strong benders and who don't care about gender norms and i really liked that i love mm -hmm. how toff cares so little about gender norms that they don't even bother to mention what gender norms might be that's the thing that geeks me is that they like really situate toff as like a masculinized young girl like a tomboy type but yes. we don't really know what the standard of femininity in the earth kingdom is so for all we besides know besides what her parents treated her yeah well i it, they made it sound more like that was an ableist treatment than a sexist treatment which yeah. i do right. think it would be there's and some faction of it that would be sexist, but and yes, child. <laughs> I, honestly, yeah, Toph and Katara, hundred and twelve percent love every really interaction liked, between them, and their conflicts are always so interesting. I would have liked more like Katara and Azula facing off. I know there's a great one in the finale, but like I feel like they they like as much as she's a good equal for Zuko, like Azula's unhinged, but she's also very skilled. But Katara, like at fourteen, showed up to the Northern Water Tribe and became a master within like what a few days, weeks. Yeah. They're and, both like they prodigies, talk about they're exactly both prodigies with a lot of raw talent and they're also... And a lot of emotional trauma. Yeah. And both really intel intelligent. Like Azula yes. is very intellectually engaged and Katara is very emotionally engaged. I would have liked um, to see more of them truly facing off and like see, I wouldn't you know because Azula would definitely just call Katara a slur. Um <laughs> like tell me she wouldn't <laughs> yeah but honestly like i feel like there would have been a little bit of like sexual tension between azula no. and katara <laughs> Azula's too racist so i'm not even kidding like <laughs> like katara might be able to humor it for a moment but she gets insulted and is ready to tear someone apart yeah. tell me azula wouldn't you can't. I can't. She really would. She'd be like, you water nation tribe The peasant. thing is, in the comics, they start including slurs for, like, the sake of slurs. They don't really, like... What? what? Like, they Wait. make them up. What? Well, no, they Wait, don't make they them elaborate. up. So they actually, like, have... There are certain stereotypes that the water tribe is called savages. You know, totally oh. not the thing that actual indigenous people <laughs> get called. There was one thing I saw where, like, somebody... Called Zuko <laughs> an ash maker, and Aang was like, don't yeah. call my friend a slur. And I'm like, well, you see, one thing, it's a slur directed at an oppressor, which, like, has different exactly. connotations. Wait, ash maker? Ash maker. Yeah, because they burn like people and turn them to ash, yeah. <laughs> like, ash they just the way that you, slurs when you said that the first time, ash maker, I thought you said ass shaker. I was like, <laughs> I shake it for Zuko. I <laughs> Yeah, but but somebody called somebody called Zuko and as 
ash maker ash maker and and like and Aang was like, don't call my friend a slur. And I was like, huh? He says slur. When he says slur specifically. Yeah. He says, that's fantastic. He's like, he's like, you can't do that. That's a slur. Like, <laughs> Zuko would have been like, yeah, and I'll turn your ass to ash. Like, deal with it. But Zuko wouldn't. Like, Zuko wouldn't would like, be able to recognize, like, yeah, I get why you're calling me that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, yeah, that's true. He would have got that a lot of people would have had pent up anger against his entire nation for probably a long time. He would have been like, yeah, yeah, valid. But like, one of many problems with the comics is that they just have slurs for like the fun of slurs. Um, (laughs) For the fun, for a little added spice, for flavor. Oh. What was the original but, ask about this? I think it makes sense, uh, though. As the best, it does best make sense. Though. It's like true to the way world building would likely right. function. It's just like when white people try to execute minority topics without being effectively educated. Like there's, yeah. Uh, but as far as relationships, another great one is her relationship with Zuko. Absolutely, super developed, super well executed i love the way they interact in the southern raiders because they they interact in this like perfect fluidity of when to lead and when to follow it's yes so great they're so in sync oh my god and the way zuko doesn't like judge her for bloodbending like he doesn't know what that is and it's definitely terrifying to watch but he's not going to comment on it because that's not his space he recognizes what is his space ang does not (laughs) yeah i mean throughout the Throughout the show, like he recognizes that she's a strong vendor, and when, especially yeah. when she gets like stronger, he's like, "Oh, you learned a few new tricks, didn't you?" And then she proceeds to beat his ass, and he's like, "Aren't you valid, girl?" Now, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I would like never that. be over that line. You don't understand. Um, anyway, and like the fact that they're always matched up in every finale, and they never best the other. They're they're always matched. They go from fighting each other. And then the final finale, they're working together. And they're mutually motivated by the thought that no one else is going to die for me. That's why Zuko jumps in front of the lightning for her. That's why she's so desperate to heal him. Like, it's stellar. Her relationship with Zuko is so well thought out. Another valuable relationship is her relationship with Jet, because he also is very much about vengeance and... Her, she, when she realizes what it's doing to him, she turns on him, which is a character-defining moment for her. That and like when they meet back up in Bossing, say how she is for the first time exploring what forgiveness is, mm-hmm. and that prefaces how she follows on into Zuko. And I'm not gonna—that's for a different episode. But like, Jack <laughs> was a very important stepping stone in her relationship with Zuko in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Yep. They are like parallels of each other a bit. They are. Gosh, yeah, her relationship with Zuko, absolutely stunning. I do wish, what is another Katara relationship I wish we could have gotten more of? Hakoda, like I don't know what they look like when they're happy together. Grandfather? Iroh, yeah. Iroh's kind of like the wise old grandfather. Like he's the uncle to Zuko. He kind of plays that wise old man, like like the way that he really gave Toph a lot of like wisdom and guidance when she was upset like i kind of wish that they had like one moment or two moments with katara because um besides katara like i mean iroh's the most mature character that i mean point blank he's the most mature character because you know he's lived his life he's the oldest grown 
<laughs> and the oldest mean just as a bee like when you live and you're old you know kind of learn what's up. and i kind of wish like that, that like that like yeah, you know i wrote sure guitar had had like a deep ass conversation about just life or you know something i mean i think they could Which... have had a really interesting dialogue and we know it would have worked because who's the one who, who gives Zuko the motivation to go talk to Iroh? It's Katara. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> she I has an like, understanding. <laughs> I feel like Iroh and Katara are on the same page about a lot of stuff. In a separate note of something adjacent to Katara, uh, I hate the fact that Kana and Paku got married like during the series. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> she literally ran across the world know. not to marry him. And then like radio silence while the Southern Water Tribe suffered as a consequence of the Southern Raids. And then he shows up because now the North is ready to help the South and marries him? No, she would have kicked oh. his ass. Is this in the comics? No, it's just it happen? happens in the background yeah. of the canon series. Like they meet up again during Sozin's comment and he's like, how about a hug for your new grandfather? And it's like, no. I like that you yeah. were implying that the comics aren't canon. Okay. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> like they are, but they're so bad that say, you don't want to accept it. I would have understood that decision if if they had shown like, you know, some moment of like him going back and Connor being like, Are you done being a sexist asshole? And he'd be like, I met your granddaughter. She's insane. She's very powerful <laughs> and a strong woman. And I wish that I had respected you and our youth enough to give you the agency to like make your own decisions. And I get that's why you had to leave. And then she would make him work for it, and then maybe I would reverse. Exactly, but that would have to also, come over the course of like years. Yeah, and here's here's to add that. But they're also here's, old, so maybe they didn't have that much time. So. It's it's another situation. Kana would die <laughs> bitter. She's Katara's it's, grandmother. Yeah, it's another situation where the the woman in the relationship is never shown her feelings for the man. Like she never brought up Paku. First of all, we the what like very she did not say anything about the northern water tribe we don't have any indication about how she feels for him and then the only thing we get is from his point of view and or or from the friend too is like oh she left but it's never said that she left like but she regretted like some part of it she wished some part of her heart wish she She had her own life like that we don't have anything about how she feels about Paku. Nothing. And then she all didn't of a even sudden, tell her kids bam. or her grandchildren that she was from the Northern Water Tribe. She wanted to leave that part of her life behind her. Exactly. She, yeah. she got married, had children, had grandchildren, and like nurtured her tribe. Like I don't think that she needed that. I mean, maybe if she had wanted it. Which wanted is why, it. if they want that yeah. to feel like a sensible thing and not another throwaway accidental sexism, they should think a little deeper about it. Um, similar That's Sokka nice. and Suki, like one of my favorite canon ships in this show, but like I don't know why Suki's attracted to Sokka. Because he's a goof. Because he's a dork. I mean, sure. <laughs> he's a lovable goof. Like, I guess there's enough time in between Sokka at his worst and Sokka season three that I can get why Suki would like be into him now, but it's like we could they say something about it. That's another thing. The relationships in the show are point blank, period, underdeveloped, poorly executed. The romantic ones. Not required. Yeah, the romantic ones. I mean, and not necessary. Completely unnecessary. Which is why I get annoyed. Which is why I get so annoyed when people say that Avatar is a love story. I. Avatar Last Airbender. Let me clarify. There are people on Twitter like that who are like. Because they're on Twitter. (laughs) How (laughs) are you done with them? There's something in the water over there. 
that turns they're the like, freaking frogs they're like, they're like avatar the last airbender is a love story between Aang no. and katara i'm like no I'm like, did but you the thing watch is, the coming of age point story? Of view, like Aang's character arc, it actually kind of is that. I'll get into this for the Aang episode, but like, it infuriates me to no end. Um, <sighs> yeah, like that argument kind of stands, and it's absolute shite. Um, I know. I fight that argument. But to conclude this wonderful recording, because we're we're going a little overtime now. Mm-hmm. The Southern Raiders. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we're going to talk about it now, because I also kind of, like, after we do our character segments, I kind of want to pick the series apart episode by episode. But we're talking about the Southern Readers now, and then we'll talk about it again if we get that far. Anyway, oh. <laughs> I love this episode because of this, like, the climax of Katara's dealing with her mother and grief. Shout out to Carolina's virtual background. Um, and it's such a necessary episode, but I am viscerally repulsed by the way they went about it. Because... A lot of people remember this episode as like an Aang versus Zuko type of story. And that is the worst way to do it. And it's not as though it doesn't stand in the way the episode is written. Because what I feel like it should have been prioritized as is a Katara and subsequently Sokka talking about how do we get over or how do we cope with the loss of our mother in an appropriate and effective way? And who is available to help us along on that journey? Because the thing... Aang really just inserts himself into the conversation. Like, there's no reason for him to really be a part of it. It's just that, like, because Katara has always been the person to pull Aang out of his anger and grief, that he is, they're trying to situate him as doing the same thing for her, but he's just telling her that she shouldn't feel the way she does, which is really awful and invalidating. Well, does he say that she shouldn't feel that way or that she shouldn't choose vengeance? So, no. So what he says is, like, this, um... Like, he sees that Katara and Zuko are, like, together. They're like, I want, we, we need Appa to go on a mission. And he's like, what's all this about? And he says, we're going to go time. find the man that killed my mother. And he's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Because, like, he can recognize that she's angry and that Zuko is backing her up. And then eventually, like, Zuko says, this is about closure and justice. And Aang says, no, I think this is about revenge. Aang is the one that says that this is about revenge, not Katara, not Zuko. Zuko specifically says it's about closure. Also, Aang tells her, is like, you should forgive. Yeah. Like, he tells her what she should do in this situation. No. Not not that she shouldn't, like, she, he does all say, like, you shouldn't kill him, but she's, he's like, you should choose forgiveness, okay? No. Just let it go. It's not about forgive. you. But, like, he got his moment to rage, when they he got his Appa. several moments to rage and yeah. even logically like i don't understand what the story larger is trying to say that ang should forgive the fire nation for wiping out his people absolutely fucking not like the difference between forgiveness and making peace is where it doesn't feel honest and the fact that ang is advocating for forgiveness feels like bullshit and also like completely tone deaf to where katara is at in this moment it's also not about him it's not about I mean, him. There's he kind should of have no been like for Aang to be in this episode. All of Aang's screen time should have been spent said, on Sokka. If he had said, I want you to choose forgiveness because I want you to come to peace with this or something like along those lines where like, I want it so you know, I hope you don't do something that you regret, like as in killing him or being violent when it's not something that I believe you would do when you were emotionally at peace. But he was just like, this is how you should grieve, and he's him, been a hot mess. Like, 
projecting what he sees, what he wants from Katara onto Katara, rather than recognizing Katara's current actuality, the way Zuko yeah. is recognizing her current actuality. And even in the fact that Katara yelled at him and was like, bring my mother back. And he knows he's not responsible for that. He's able to step back and emotionally recognize that she is conflating her anger with the loss of her mother, with her anger at him, and that those are two separate things. And he is willing to help her with that. And he is equipped to help her with that because not only does he have like the intel to the fire nation to do what she thinks he needs to what he thinks she needs to do but the fact that he did the very same thing in facing his father on the day of black sun a lot of feelings about the seven raiders <laughs> i desperately want the original script before the, drop it the, they were before they were forced to change it i want it so bad so it's, bad if so i ever ideal version not the uh, not my ideal but essentially there was an original version of the script that Bryk vetoed because it was too yeah. zutara pro zutara when like yeah. i sincerely doubt it was about shipping zutara and more about the fact that it was zuko is the person equipped to help katara in this circumstance yeah so there was a lot changed and edited in this episode and like i've seen like rumors about exactly what but we'll never actually know Wait, until we want to hear there's i don't remember it all but there's probably a lot of rumors a lot of like a lot of the stuff about like rumors, it becoming, alleged disclaimer disclaimer of rumors alleged stuff about like, like it becoming a zuko versus ang like argument essentially like that is part of the change essentially from my understanding because it's a it's a way for Bright to be like, see, Aang is better for her. Wink, wink, nudge, but it's not. Blah, he's not. Whatever. He's literally being as unreceptive as possible in this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's like other moments. There's like, there's like more stuff of them traveling together. Zuko and Katara. A lot of like Zuko and Katara scenes were cut out. Um, but yeah, Why? I want to... Because they were deemed too shippy, apparently. It would be <laughs> Zuko and Katara alone, which like, as we know, Bright understood boy plus girl alone mean romance now kiss for them to release those episodes yeah we want, I want the, the original script drop the script um i'm going did to they film meet her one day too? No, and then they didn't film it no no it's just there was an original like draft of the script that had to be rewritten before they started but yes i would love to read the original transcript yeah, I, I want to know what they originally the writer, had in I will, mind. I'll be like, please. Because I feel Let's like... start a GoFundMe for them to no release fun. it and have Dante Bosco and, and, and find... Who's the original Katara voice? May, and, yeah, May and Whitman. Because they shipped it too. Have them just voice over those scenes and then fans would edit like that fan art would, could fill the uh, animation. Like, people would I'll do it. And I'll maybe this is it. like a bold assumption yes. on my part, but I really do feel like it would have just further filled out their platonic relationship. I don't think it even would yeah. have been pushed into that romantic territory. It would have just been valuable for the fact that these are characters that are friend, like going to be friends with each other. And they came from such opposing, you know, they were so... Uh, opposing forces for so long yes and they're both like showing really that you can forgive people, people like they're both highly emotional and intense people and that doesn't come in a way that like clashes with one another but they learn how to meld and work together like mm -hmm. they because they have so much within themselves they know how to work with the volume that the other person gives which is part of my issues with uh katang and mako is that may emotionally void ang 12 you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 
Tara and Zuko were so valuable to each other. And I really hate the fact that because girls can't have guy friends when they're dating another guy, they were just not allowed to be near each other anymore. Like, I don't, yeah, I after, hate the way Katang was handled, but I don't hate Katang itself. Uh, yeah, I hate the way it's handled. I think it could have been a cute, fine ship. I don't blame people who ship it, but the way it's handled in canon and post the show. Post canon is horrendous. I just I wish that, like, so if they were doing it, that Aang had been, like, 14, the same age as Katara, and that Sokka could have been 16. Like, I don't get why he had to be so much younger. Like, what's... For the like, how would it have really I affected the plot? Why Aang he has was... to be as young as he is in the context of him being the protagonist for this particular story. Like, there's a very mm-hmm. pointed emphasis on that it needs to be kids that save the world in this story. Yeah, but he and... could just been like a year or two older. Like, what's fourteen versus twelve? I think fourteen plot? could be interesting because it's in a much more gray area in terms of maturity. Where like, yeah, you, you would you have moments of childish for doing childish moments. stuff, but you do want mm-hmm. to encourage him towards being a young adult yes. more so. Whereas like when he's twelve particularly in the sense of the conclusion of the series, they try to situate him as a wise young man, and that's not fair to him or the story, and it's not really effectively yeah. reflected in his actions. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, what was I saying? Back to Katara. So, um, <laughs> dang. I... It's all gone. Everything I was... Katara and Zuko being friends. Original script. Yes! Oh my god, no, no. Their friendship... Is they are so important to each other and their friendship is so strong by the end of the show. So I don't understand people diminishing that, people saying she just tolerates him, Bright completely separating them for the rest of eternity or making them willing to kill each other in the comics. Like it doesn't make any sense. They are friends. They're willing to die for each other in the Agni Kai, in the final Agni Kai. Both of them, both have a moment where they're willing to risk their lives to save the other person. And they're both reaching out for each other. Even if you don't ship them, you have to acknowledge that they like, are to friends. To throw that away as like a fluke or an isolated incident is absolute bullshit. It doesn't make sense. They they work so well together. He chooses her to come with him to go face Azula. They and there's so no calculation in that choice. Like Zuko just knows when it's Katara. Like he immediately mm-hmm. asks Katara to join him. He doesn't. There was no hesitating with that lightning strike. He didn't even think before jumping in front of that. That was something mm-hmm. he had to do. And even if you he say like he would have jumped in front of the lightning bolt. for anybody, the motivation for that moment is nobody else is dying for me, which is still incredibly valuable in the context that it's not anybody, it is Katara. <laughs> I have more to say on that when we get to the Zuko episode, but just, so just put a pin in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, he just you just ate yeah, some but... lightly hungry. <laughs> you wanted to be a little <laughs> toasty. <laughs> <laughs> but I have something about that moment that I like found out Zuko's that I like read about the other day <laughs> that I will add when we get to the Zuko episode. But yes, in that episode, like they are friends. They are important to each other. They are willing to die for each other. They are not Katara's not just tolerating him. That's not she forgave she him. She is I don't actively know why people... comforting him the entire time. <laughs> she, she, there are so many times where she's like helping him and comforting him, and they're helping each other. And like, you don't cry tears of joy when you realize the person that somebody you don't care about is actually alive. Like, if somebody, like he, he was almost dead, and she ran to him, and then when she sees that he's still alive, tears. She's crying. She's so happy 
that he's okay. Like, she and forgot he's like, in the heat of battle that there was still an enemy around. She was so yeah. focused on trying to make sure that he doesn't die in this moment that she forgot Azula was there and Azula had to nearly burn her. <laughs> yeah. And then... And then when she when he says thank you Katara she's like I should be the one thanking you they don't just tolerate each other I don't understand <laughs> they are so important to each other and Katara and Aang are also incredibly important to each other but because they got yeah. so focused on pushing this romance narrative I'm tired of seeing them together <laughs> one thing I don't get is there's this te- a bunch of people just there's a whole community of people who just really don't like Katara yeah th- those are called misogynists we don't talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, there's really people who hate. Yeah, I love Katara. Sorry, you can continue. I love Katara. She's such a. Yes. Yeah, I do think it's just blatant misogyny. The people who who really don't like her character. Really quick, wrapping up one moment that I also wish we'd seen more of is we we hear a lot about Katara being like, "I miss my mom," but you don't see moments of her like staring out at the ocean, being like, "You know, mom, I wish you were here." Like. I know. I wish that I could or talk like to her right memories. now. Like those yeah. are soft moments of pleasantness, like something that she's doing now that reminds her of something she did with her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there like, are just like, those or, like, moments. You know, she only brings up her mom to like reach out to comfort somebody else going through it's the same thing. It's an extension of empathy. Like yeah, she, which is why I get so annoyed in this war. I get so annoyed. Angry when at. Say no, that. No. When people okay. say she, she, when people make fun, they're like, oh, all she does is talk about her mom. She's always whining about her mom, blah, blah, blah. Which, A, she isn't. B, she's a 14 year old girl who lost her mom. Like, cut her some slack. Hello. Oh, wait, are you talking about, are you talking about the scene where, where she Years says ago. to Sokka, like, like, then you didn't care about her more than me or something? Oh, no, I wasn't, I didn't bring that up. Yeah, because people keep quoting that is the reason they don't like Katara. And I'm like, she's, a child she is damaged i don't fault her for saying her mom died when she was what eight also she heard Sokka say pretty much the same thing like six episodes earlier yeah that that he doesn't remember the mom because he just like i'm sure kaya's face is burned into katara's mind everyone's probably a very morbid katara was the last person to see her mom alive yeah everyone is like why would katara say that to Sokka? it's Sokka's mom too and I'm like, she's a child. Sometimes you say things that you don't really mean. Like, I would have liked to see like, a moment yeah, of her being like, was I wasn't rude. fast enough to get help or something. Like, I, like she you know, because I feel she did put that on herself. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like I wish we'd seen a moment of her being like, I went to go get dad, but I wasn't fast enough or like, I couldn't help. I wish I could have been That's the whole thing. She's not help. the helpless little girl that she was when they came. So mm-hmm. like, yes, it was a rude thing to say, but it's not uncalled for one and two, she's 14 like she's allowed to say mean things like ang had an entire episode of being an ass and i'm willing to concede to the fact that he was the loss of the most important thing in his life at the moment mm-hmm. so why are people not willing to extend that energy for katara all together now misogyny, misogyny. Yeah. also on that point one last thing that i hate the fandom for the homophobic Katara theories can die and burn. I think it's if the funniest are... shit. It's, it's kind of hilarious because like, where did you get that? Yeah, like there, that's there, so there's unfounded. People, yeah, there's people who it's say just the she's, exact, she's homophobic. It, it's the exact type of thing that would come from the internet, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, it's like, what's so the argument? Um, between <laughs> Katara making fun of Sokka's ponytail and making fun of his bag which is just yeah, like jabs at his own sense of masculinity. Like 
I just think that that was like that era, like two thousand eight. What was it when that when those right. episodes coming out? Not even that. Like she, she's like specifically she's poking just making at things fun of that. Sokka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and also it's like siblings. what Sokka has. Of course, has, they would talk yeah. like that. It's things that Sokka has said. Like Sokka is the one with this overinflated sense of masculinity, and yes. like he doesn't want to be perceived as doing something feminine. So when she does that, she's mocking him for that, knowing it will annoy for him. For doing but something because, hypocritical. It's not because he he's. They're siblings. Like, <laughs> they make they tease each other. She's not. I, also, Sokka God. is like if anything, bisexual, because that boy loves Suki and loved yeah. Yue. So, like, I'm and not also saying likes a good fashion statement. He liked his little pipe but... and his hat. He was really bisexual. into dressing up to be the detective. He loves like, shopping, he like... like, and she recognizes, yeah. like, she's the one that takes him shopping when he's sad. Like, Katara doesn't yeah. devalue Sokka for his comparatively feminine interests. She just makes fun yeah. of him for when he's doing hypocritical bullshit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. they're siblings and they're allowed to poke fun at each other for Honestly, like even if it was homophobic, like I feel like siblings are able to say bullshit stuff. But to it wasn't each other. like a you like boys, haha. It was like a Absolutely not. It was the internet just really <laughs> really pulling stuff out of their ass. And it's the yeah, exactly. that, like, so they could as a ship Tara. just rose in this yeah. new age of fandom where it's always like the masculine boy pairing two hot masculine boys and then saying that it's the pinnacle of homosexuality when like <laughs> nobody's gonna think deeper into that <laughs> yeah okay but i kind of got a goal okay be free zach thank you for joining Bye-bye. us i think Bye, this, this is a pretty good stopping point yeah to wow. leave the conversation we got a good two hours out of this i'm excited to cut off our tangents about other characters <laughs> Um, yes. Close, closing thoughts. I love Katara. I love She's Katara best so girl. much. She did not best deserve girl. to be thrown away in moments to the benefit of a male character that they didn't bother writing thoughtfully. Yes. Closing she... thoughts. Katara was a very strong feminist character, to which is a good role model. You know, for me as a young kid watching it, that girls like can a spectacular be thing to include to in the fact that this is like an early two thousands cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I and love that she can be powerful in her own right. Doesn't need a man to make her powerful. I love Katara. I loved watching her journey. I feel like of all the, she's one of my favorite characters. But I feel like of all the characters, if anything, she is kind of my self-insert character. Um, mm. and I just loved watching her the entire time. Everything that she felt, I felt like I was feeling as well. Mm-hmm. She was like the heart of the group. Yeah, and she they did her dirty, but yeah. They, they did, did her, her so dirty. dirty, and then the fandom did her dirty too. So because she, she hadn't imp- suffered enough. That's on that. Long story short, she deserves better. Katara deserves better. That is the closing statement of the evening. Good night. Um, <laughs> so.